Hey there, everyone. This is Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. We are almost done with this Marriage Vows series, and I hope you've been enjoying it, you guys. It has been really a pleasure of mine to be able to dig into these sacred words, the marriage vows that, if you're married, you undoubtedly said, probably before a minister, maybe your friends, your family. And I just really felt it was really important that we break down these vows because so many people just say them flippantly. So today we are going to continue with for richer, for poorer. Now, forever, I used to say, isn't it for richer or for poorer? Like try to say that 15 times fast. But the actual phrase is simply for richer, for poorer. We're talking about money today. And truth be told, money or money problems or conflicts around money or more specifically lack of communication around money has been such a detriment in many, many marriages. Finances is actually the number two reason why couples get divorced. And I wanted to really dedicate some time with a real expert, a money expert, who is going to help us to be able to bring some light to some of these money challenges. So today, I am so excited to introduce you all to my friend, Dr. Michelle Lappin. Michelle and I met because we both share the same business coach, our wonderful Miss Tamara Andres. And the thing that I really love about Michelle is that her advice is holistic. Michelle isn't just interested in teaching you how to create a budget. She's not just going to stop with teaching you how to invest, but she is actually going to talk to you about how to create a wealth mindset, how to actually become wealthy. And wealth is not just related to money. Wealth is all-encompassing. And so on this episode today, Michelle is going to focus on finances because, hello, for richer, for poorer, but she's also going to talk a little bit about how to actually be holistic in our relationships when it comes to wealth. So before we start, I just have to tell you guys, Michelle's testimony is bananas, okay? She was a high school dropout, and she just recently earned not was given. It's not an honorary. It is an earned doctorate degree. And so I'm super proud of her and all that she's accomplished and all that she has been able to help. And she's going to help us today. Before we get into all of that, this episode is really important to me because when Sean and I got married, y'all know we were 18 and 21. So that equals no money. And we struggled a lot financially. We struggled not just because we didn't have money, but because our mindset was off. And we struggled for years and years and years and years in our marriage. We were in debt. We had bad credit. I mean, it was it was pretty bad. And thanks be to God for his mercy and also for giving us wisdom. And we were able to build our credit. We both have excellent credit today. We are comfortable financially. And so a lot of these issues that we face, I'm telling you guys, they can be overcome. I used to look at our marriage and our finances, and I was so hopeless. I felt like we would always be in debt. We would always struggle with money. And I am a living witness to tell you that is not the case any longer. If you believe, and I mean really, really believe, that you can get out of your situation. And if you are willing to develop new habits, new disciplines, new rhythms in your marriage when it comes to money, your life can dramatically change. So 
Without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our episode today with my friend, Dr. Michelle Lappin. All right, Michelle. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. I know that um, every time I think of like financial coach or financial expert, like you're the girl that I think of. And so um, I'm really excited for this time that we get to, to share today. So thank you for being on the podcast. My pleasure. I'm actually super excited that you asked me as soon as I saw the message. I was like, oh, let me look at my schedule. Let me see. Can I make it work? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad that it worked out. Now, I know that you're a wealth coach. Tell us a little bit about what does a wealth coach do? So wealth coach is not a term that people hear very often. Actually, when I talk about it, especially if it's not in person with somebody, I have to specify the W, not an H. (laughs) Um, Because if you're not paying attention, it can easily be confused as a health coach. Um, but in all actuality, um, health is wealth, right? So I do tie pieces of that in there. Um, it's, it's a combination of life coaching and financial, um, financial coaching combined into one. That's what I've made it into. There are not, um, there are very few people out there that call themselves wealth coaches, and the reason I did that is because I, I went on this journey of trying to, you know, figure out my business in the beginning. And the I was very passionate about mindset and success coaching as well as financial coaching. And this wealth coaching concept evolved as a way to combine all of those together because I truly believe that you have to have a certain mindset and um, certain principles and and tools and resources on success development in order to achieve wealth. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. You know, I know just with the couples that I've worked with a lot of times, what we see is there's this blockage in the mind. And I experienced it when Sean and I were first married, first of all, we were 18 and 21. So we weren't thinking about wealth. We were just (laughs) We're just trying to think of how to survive from day to day. But like when we did start to get some money and stuff like that, like we definitely operated with a scarcity mentality. And we also did not come from homes where we saw wealth or had conversations that wealthy people have with their children. So we, like I said, we went from kind of trying to just survive to being almost like hoarders. Like we had money. We're like, oh, we don't want to, you know, we were so afraid to lose it. And so that caused a whole bunch of problems. And most marriages or most relationships, you've got like one person who's the saver and then the other person who's the spender. And do you find that a lot with like the people that you work with? Absolutely. At almost every day. And and, um, many experts in finances will tell you that's almost the statistic is almost nearly that in every couple. Not now with any statistic, nothing's 100% all the time, but more often than not, one's a giver and one's one's a saver, one's a spender. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I realized too is that, you know, money problems lead to divorce very often. I think it's like, I think it's communication issues, number one, finances are number two. 
um, as far as, you know, statistically why people get divorced. And so I just wanted to know, and one of the, the reasons that I'm excited to have you on the podcast is because I think that knowledge is power or applied knowledge, I should say, is power. So when people don't know what to do, a lot of times they get overwhelmed and then they don't do anything. And then that feeds the dis the disagreement, the lack of communication. And so I wanted to know if you could just kind of give us like some real practical things. If a couple right now are um, at odds with even how they see money, like not even, we're not even getting to like how they spend it or if they're saving, but just how they see money. How would you recommend that like two people get on the same page as far as even how they see money? So really great question. This is something that honestly, if you're in, if somebody was in a dating phase, definitely something you should do in the dating phase in the first place because you can really start to start to understand where each other is when it comes to money. But if you know you're beyond that, you're married and and you realize you know you're not seeing eye to eye, the best thing to do and and trying to do it at you know timing is everything, right? So if you're you're super busy, if you're not having a good day, somebody's not in a good mood, it's not the right time. But sitting down maybe even scheduling on a time, blocking out like a whole day or something like that to sit down and just talk with one another and try to kind of grasp an understanding all the way back to your childhoods. Go all the way back to figure out where you developed your money mindsets at, how and what it consisted of. Like, how did you... Like think about, you know, your, your, your relationship with money before you got married and your husband's relationship before um, you guys got married. And it could be very similar. They could be drastically different. We hold on to those things subconsciously. We don't even realize we're doing some of these things or have certain mindsets in regard to money. Um, individuals who are like very into saving and they, they're, you know, like, Oh no, I don't want to purchase this. I don't want to spend money on that. And, and almost like holding it hostage. A lot of times they develop that mindset because of what they saw their parents go through when they were growing up. So really just digging down into all of that. Uh, that's, that's a start. This is something that might need to be more than just one day conversation. And if it's that deep, it might be something that should happen with somebody else who's professionally certified in having those conversations too. Like somebody like yourself mm-hmm. would be really great to help monitor those conversations too. Yeah. I mean, get this, like that is my story when Sean and I, when, when I was growing up, um, my mother love my mother. I've talked about her a lot on this podcast, but my mother had some financial issues, you know, growing up. And so I saw, and she was a great mom. She was a teacher raising three kids on a teacher's salary. She put us in private school. I have no idea how, like she, she tried her best, but I also grew up seeing us not have, like she used to always say, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke. Right. And so when I started getting money, I did, I'm the saver in our relationship. I don't spend money because it was, it was that subconscious thought like if I spend it, we're not going to have it. So we're not going to spend anything. We're going to save, 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 save. I saved, I paid for my own wedding. Like at 18 years old, I had that much money saved up that I could pay for my wedding. And Sean, on the other hand, grew up with, you know, his mom was also a single mom for the majority of his life. And I think that she wanted to give him a better life. She wanted to give him 
a lot of things that maybe she didn't have growing up. And so he took that same mentality and he's like Santa Claus on steroids, you know? And so we (laughs) we have that dynamic of like, why are you buying the kids? You know, all of these things that they don't need, we need to save, 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 save. And so we, we definitely struggled, but I love how you said that these conversations should happen prior to marriage. And in the coaching that that I do and premarital coaching, we have a whole session that we talk about nothing but money. And you can see couples that they tense up. Um, You could tell that most couples have never, ever talked about this. It's so important. It's so important because every decision that you make, once you decide I'm going to be with this person and I'm going to build a life with this person, every decision that you make as a couple is going to revolve around money once one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It will. So Michelle, tell us what are some common mistakes that you see couples make when it comes to money? Uh, first and foremost, we just talked about the not talking about it, going into you know the relationship and not having those conversations. And then what happens often in, in a lot of relationships and many topics is there's a point of contention, a point of, oh, I don't really want to touch that topic. I don't, I don't want to go there. I don't want to try to think of an analogy, step on the snake, right? Um, I don't know why I thought of snake, but, <laughs> but you know, yeah, like I don't want to go there because that can set off a fire, right? Well, we don't want to set off fires necessarily, but we do want to address the issues because if we don't address them, they will blow up into something bigger eventually. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, you know, a slow process. And sometimes it's just something that, you know, just drastically happens. Um, the other aspect um, also goes kind of in, into communication too, is um, not will not being willing to understand from the other person's perspective. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the conversation of understanding how they developed their money mindsets, how they developed um, this, you know, perspective of money. If you can get to that point where you're understanding it from their perspective, then you can go, okay, I see where you're coming from. I see why you want to do it this way. And then you can think of it from your way too. There has to always be at least one person. And really it works best when both people are taking turns in this but at least one person has to, in in the conversations have to say, okay, let me not just think about me. Let me think about you as well. Mm-hmm. But both people are doing that. It works even better. If, if more often than not, you can come to a compromise in the, in those decisions when it comes to finances, it's better. You know, sometimes it's, Hey, well, I'm going to cut back here and I'd like to see if you can cut back here so that we can do this. Good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about couples who like no one's handling the finances or I'm handling my finances and you're handling yours. And I know Sean and I have had probably every iteration of this throughout our marriage. At one point, you know, he was handling all the finances and then he was like not doing stuff the right way, in my opinion. So then I took it over (laughs) and then I'm handling it. He doesn't like how I'm doing it. So we go like back and forth, back and forth. Is there a way that you have found that works best? Do you think that each couple should kind of be responsible for what they bring in? Or do you feel like it it kind of varies by couple? Or do you think there should be kind of one person that's over the finances? Like what's what's the best thing? 
So I absolutely love this question. A lot of people don't like this question. I love this question because there is a lot of versatility in it. There's also a lot of protection that should be had in this. In this, Versatility would probably be my best approach. It depends on the couple. It depends on their backgrounds. If somebody has a very traumatic background when it comes to finances because of the way that they're raised, you have to approach that a certain way, especially um, individuals who have had divorces and the previous spouse was really, really bad with money. There's a lot of trust that has to be reestablished with that. So just kind of coming in and having a joint bank account right away might not be the best option for them. They might need to have like, you know, have their separate accounts and then have a joint account that, okay, you transfer money, you transfer money and we pay everything out of this, right? That might need to be the way to be at first until there's that trust established to be able to be fully joined. Um, As far as the take who's taking care of stuff obviously the one who's a little bit more organized would probably be better to be the primary absolutely positively at least monthly a sit down with both parties to make sure everybody understands and is on the same page of how much you have where it's going what's the plan moving forward what are our goals you know things like that should take place at least monthly But the person that maybe is a little bit more organized um, would probably be best to manage it all. It helps to be a little bit more on the organized side or have a a notion of organization to manage the finances because it can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes. Of course, having certain processes in place that you're, you know, you're doing consistently helps in that part too. But those are, those are my first thoughts. Okay, that's great. There's a lot of good, good stuff in there. Let me go back to, you said processes. So what are some of the processes that couples should have when it comes to their money mindset or managing their money? First and foremost, I know everybody hates this word, <laughs> but you got to have start a with a B. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You got to have a budget. I'm sorry, you have to. The like, and and I premise it this way: a lot of us, when we first hear the word budget, you know, it it, it feels like a restriction. Mm-hmm. For me, I've learned it's not a restriction; it's a foundation, and it lets me know where my boundaries are. I like boundaries; not I like to cross them sometimes, but I like to understand. Okay, where's my boundary, and what is the risk if I cross that boundary? Am I willing to take that risk? Right. So that's why. Um, I like to look at it that way, but as far as the foundation goes, like you need, you know, the foundation of the house and you need the walls of the house to keep everything together and protect you. Right. Mm -hmm. The budget does that. The budget lets you know, here's how much we have. Here's how much, here's all of our expenses. Here's what we have left over. And you know, this is what we want to do with it. Right. Um, that's first and foremost, and other aspects would be, ooh, <laughs> I would honestly say having somebody in your corner that you can talk to, an accountability partner, if you're married, it should definitely be your spouse. It's also not a bad idea to have somebody, even as a married couple, having somebody outside of your marriage that you fully trust 
to have some of those conversations with because sometimes you're you might be on different pages and, you, and it's hard to see where the disconnect is or find you know where that compromise can be and somebody looking the outside can really help to see that um but that that's going to take a little bit of time and conversation both individuals should be on the same page of who that accountability person should be yeah, that's good. I love what you were saying earlier too about making sure that you have at least a monthly conversation. And I think that that's that intentionality portion. Like most couples don't talk about money in, unless there's something that blew up. You know, so there's a catastrophic event, somebody loses their job, uh, somebody overdrew the account, someone's over the limit, you know, on their credit card. And then it, it's it's always conflict, conflict, conflict. And what I like about what you said is that if you can actually start to develop these conversations just as a routine, as a rhythm in your marriage, then you don't have to have these big blow ups because, and I think monthly is generous. I think probably weekly would be a good idea just to check in and be like, Hey, you know, do you know how much money is in the account? You know, and, and I'm a proponent of, even if you have separate accounts, cause I get asked a lot too, like, do you think we should have separate accounts or, and, and I know like in my situation, my husband and I are both business owners and we also both have nine to fives, if you will, you know, and so we, we have separate accounts for our businesses, but then we have a joint account that we pay all our bills from and things like that. And so that works for us. It's, it's worked for us forever. Other people, you know, you think they have to kind of do what works for them. But even if you do have those separate accounts, like my husband's able to see my separate account and he knows how much is in there. I'm able to look at his separate account and know how much is in there. And so there's no surprises at the end of the month. And so I, I really like that. I think that couples really, I hope you guys hear that, that you need to be really intentional about having those ongoing conversations and not just waiting for something big to happen. Right. Like what I think about when you're repeating that back is respect, mm-hmm. transparency, openness, all of that plays into account. And then I also was reminded, um, and forgive me, I don't remember the specific um, book and, and verse, but if, if memory serves me correctly, there's a Bible verse that mentions something about whatever um, is done in the dark will come to light. Mm-hmm. Secrets are never good. Right. And they're especially never good for a marriage. So if there's you know, oh, well, I want to keep this over here and I don't want to tell you about what's in there. It's, it's like a secret. And at one point that other person is going to start to feel like you're leaving me out. You're keeping a secret. Why are you keeping it a secret? What, what do you, what do you have? What do you, what are you doing with your money? You don't know what I know about. Like it starts to cause, um, you know, issues. I'm sure with what you do, you've seen it and, and heard it and, and maybe even experienced it. Sometimes those things are really tiny at first and they just kind of build over time. And that's how we get to those points where it's just all of a sudden that blow up because they're not talking about it regularly. That openness mm-hmm. will help to keep things more in perspective for both people and keep everybody comfortable. Yeah, that hiding thing. That's that's a surefire way to ruin trust for sure. Even if it's little. Like I remember when when Sean and I were dating and we were talking to this older couple and the wife was like, oh, I got to show, she was talking to me. She was like, I got to show you all my dresses and the closet. They're way in the back. My husband doesn't know anything about those. And I was only 17 years old. And I was like, you know, I'm looking at her like, I don't think that's such a great idea. And I knew, like, I always thought about that when we got married, like, 
I don't have to hide anything from Sean. Even if I'm like, if I'm going to spend it, I'm going to spend it. If he doesn't like it, we're just going to have to disagree about it. But I'm not going to like hide things from him. So no, I think that's such a great point. Um, I know that there are couples who are listening who maybe they don't have money problems. Maybe they're doing just great financially, but they want to know how can we build? And this is why I love like the wealth aspect of it, of what you do, because you don't just help couples who need kind of like the foundational uh, or people because you, you know, you work with couples and individuals, but you don't just help those who kind of need the basics, but you also help people who are looking to build wealth in other areas of their lives. So if there's someone listening right now and they're like, we're doing pretty good, we've got some disposable income, where is the best place that they should put that extra income? Great question. Great, great question. So I would say, what I would say to this is it really depends on what your goals are. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? Where are you at? Uh, Are you in a situation where you've got you know, children that are going to go off to college and you want to help them go off to college? Are you, are they past college age and you're looking at paying off your house? Are you close to retirement? Are you, do you want to go out and travel? Like all of that really plays into the conversation. So first and foremost, sit down and dream a little, Mm. dream a little, figure out what you want your future to be like one year, five years, 10 years from now, maybe even 15 years from now, like it's not, it's not wrong. It's not bad because it continues to get you thinking forward, uh, keep you forward thinking, which actually builds momentum. If you're always like, okay, this is, you know, this is where I want to be. And this is what I'm going to do to get there. That's the, that's the the first piece of it. Um, If it's something where you're wanting to, send your children to college. There are college savings plans. There's all kinds of specifics on multiples of those. The 529 plan is probably the most common plan. And of course, there's always the traditional savings account. Don't quite get as much um, (laughs) interest Mm -hmm. there. But uh, the other thing would be if you know you have that goal of paying off your mortgage, just start throwing $100, $200 extra towards your principal and you you can see that thing drop. There's actually calculators online. If you do a um, mortgage payoff calculator online, they can project uh, how much, how early they can pay their house off, depending on how much extra they'll pay towards principal. When it comes to individuals that are closer to retirement or want to add more to retirement, Start first and foremost with your employer 401k type programs. Um, like myself, I have, I also have a nine to five and I have a 401k type program where they match up to 5%. So as long as I'm putting 5% in, they're putting 5% in and I'm automatically having 10% of my income go into retirement every single month, which is a lot. Yeah, that's great. Recommendation once you get to a certain point, um, Dave, Dave Ramsey calls it the baby steps. Once you get to a certain point, he recommends 10 to 15%. And then there's the stocks and investments and things like that. For that type of situation, I would recommend if you're looking at doing something like that, sit down and talk with an actual financial advisor or financial planner, someone who's certified in those things. There are a few really good companies out there. I would recommend definitely researching some of the companies and looking at a lot of the reviews and figure out which one aligns best with your ethics and values. 
and see what they're willing to do, like what options there are, that kind of thing. It really helps when you're starting into that stuff. I never recommend for someone to just go in and start doing anything with investing Mm -hmm. if you don't know what you're doing because it cannot go very well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I've seen that too. And I've seen people lose a lot of money, which, you know, investing is always risky. And so if you've got, that's all I was saying, if you've got that disposable income and you know, okay, I can, it's like play money. I can afford to kind of mess around with, you know, two, $300 a month, then cool. But if that two, $300 a month is going to break you, then you probably right. shouldn't be putting that in investments, you know, riskier investments, maybe do some, some lower mutual funds or what have you. So exactly. there's actually apps out there. Like Robinhood is an app. I'm not promoting Robinhood, but that's um, that, that one. There's a couple of other apps out there as well that you can start off with something like that, a very small amount every month and you can kind of mess with it yourself. Um, and they have information out there to kind of teach you how to do it as well. Awesome. Awesome, Michelle. Well, I know that you've got a five-day challenge coming up in your Facebook group. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, first of all, where can people find you? Where can they find out more about what you do? And then tell us a little bit about the five-day challenge you have coming up. Awesome. So I can be found on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all the things (laughs) at dr.michellemarie, Facebook might actually not have the dot, but try it with the dot, try it without the dot. You'll find it one way or the other. (laughs) Um, And okay. The group is called Wealth Builders Unite, which actually I think on Facebook, you have to search Wealth Builders Uniting in order to find it correctly. If you're on one of my social media uh, sites. I actually have a link in my bio for it. So that'll be make, make it a whole lot easier to find it. So the challenge, the five day challenge is called get your wealth on is going to start on Tuesday of next week and go through Saturday. I did that on purpose because I'll have more time on Saturday to do like a final live. Um, but for me, wealth is not just about the dollar amount in your bank account. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a whole lifestyle, a wholesome aspect. And I have kind of really dug deep into myself and figured out there are five core areas that I'm very passionate about that I believe ties into wealth in every way, shape or form. Uh, faith, number one. Faith is is first and foremost. Of course, finances, managing your finances. Fitness, how does fitness tie into wealth? Well, think about the mindset piece. If you're not physically fit, your mindset might be off, which then could cause other areas to be a little bit off or you might not be fully focused on that. Um, Family. Family is so, so, so vital. And everything that we do, especially if we have children, if we have spouses, revolves around our family. And last thing, Wealth building should be fun. Mm. It shouldn't be draining. It shouldn't be overwhelming, though. The processes sometimes can seem that way as we're starting. It should be fun. And so I'm going to touch on every one of those five areas in this challenge next week. 
That's so great. I can't wait to see how that goes for you. Thank you so much, Michelle. And I know we didn't even get into your story, but (laughs) you are a high school dropout turned PhD. And I'm so proud of you. I just, you know, I know I saw your pictures up on Instagram with your diploma or not diploma, your, your degree. And um, I just, I'm so proud of you and I'm so grateful to know you. So thank you so much for everything you've given us today on the podcast. It's a lot of really great practical information, which is what I love is that people can listen to this episode and they can immediately go start putting some of this stuff into practice and seeing the fruit in their relationships. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you for having me and whoever's listening. Thank you for, for listening. Absolutely. My pleasure. I am so thankful when people are able to give us practical advice. You know, I am a visionary. I love being motivated and inspired, but we all also need some practical tips, something that you can start with today. And I think that what Michelle shared with us today is something that you can take away and actually start. If you need a financial expert, if you need a financial planner, I want to encourage you to reach out to Michelle. She has several different courses on her website. She's also got some freebies. And then again, don't forget the five-day challenge that she's actually going to be launching next week. Now, when I say next week, I'm not sure when you're listening to the podcast, but around mid-October-ish, okay? And so uh, make sure that you visit her. She already told you her website, but I'll tell you again, it's drmichellemarie.com. And then on her website, you'll be able to find all of her social media handles. I will also link to her website and all her socials in the show notes of this podcast. So be sure to head over to realrelationshiptalk.com slash episode 62, and you will be able to find out all about Michelle and how to get in touch with her. So thanks again, Michelle, for being a guest on our show. Thank you so much for helping us to understand for richer, for poorer. Listen, lastly, before we sign off today, If you are experiencing financial challenges in your marriage that are causing you to be on the brink of divorce, these challenges are causing you to have lack of trust, or maybe you are miscommunicating because we don't ever not communicate, right? We're miscommunicating. Reach out to me. I would love to be able to help you. And maybe you're not even married yet. I think the thing that I loved about what Michelle said earlier is that you need to be having these conversations before you get married. So there's no reason for you to struggle in this area alone. If you need targeted financial help, reach out to Michelle. If your marriage is on the struggle bus, reach out to me so that I can be able to coach you to a better situation. So thank you all so very much for listening. If these episodes have been encouraging you, inspiring you, blessing you, challenging you, I would love to hear about it. If you would be so kind to write a review on the podcast, you can do that very simply on Apple Podcasts. You scroll down, you click write a review, and then you simply write up a couple sentences about what this podcast has meant to you. I would be most appreciative, and it also helps other people just like you to be able to find the show. So that's all for our show today, you all. Thank you so much for being a part of the Real Relationship Talk community. Be sure to share these episodes with someone that you know could use a little inspiration. Well, I will see you all on the next episode. Take care. Without you. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.